Hello and welcome to The World in 30 Minutes, the podcast on the events, policies and ideas that will shape the world from the European Council on Foreign Relations. My name is Mark Leonard and this week we are coming back to you with the most exciting podcast of the year. It is the time when we look forward to 2019 and work out what the trends are and look back at the terrible predictions that we made this time last year. It's also the one time when Jeremy and I, uh, Jeremy Shapiro, that's our ECFR's research director, and I um, have to look deep into our souls and and judge ourselves and see what our performance was like. So, Jeremy, do you want to start by by looking back? How did we do at the trends of 2018? You know, we did pretty well. Uh, A lot of the ECFR staff wanted the job of judging us this year, but um, we decided to keep it for ourselves because we know that we do it better than, uh, than the rest of the staff. And we also thought that perhaps that would help our grades because we have a much greater sense of fairness and less vindictiveness toward ourselves. And so overall, um, using that very particular formula, we managed to score uh, 7.5 out of 10 uh, this year. Um, so let's go through the, the predictions and describe which ones we think we got right and which ones we think we got wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, just for, for context, we got eight out of 10 last year. So it does show that we're not only like consistently doing quite well, but we're quite modest as well because we could have given ourselves more this year, as you'll see when we start going. It does show that our grade inflation is consistent. So I think that that's something to be proud of. So our first prediction was that there will be no war in North Korea, but there will be a humanitarian crisis caused by sanctions. So I think we were right on the first half. So we get half a point for that. Our second prediction was that there would be a Brexit deal uh, sometime in the fall, but that it would, and that it would tra- define a very long transition period that would look a lot like uh, the deal that Norway has with the EU, but that would end up with a deal, they would envision ending with a deal that looks a lot like Canada. And most of all, we emphasize that this would be uh, the beginning of the process, not the end, and that it would likely run into major problems in both the EU and UK uh, parliaments that would certainly extend the process well into 2019. We were st- so we were right. We about were that. staggeringly right about that. Um, but I guess uh, foreseeing problems in the Brexit uh, process is not a huge achievement. So the third prediction was that the Republicans would lose the House of Congress, and that it would be that rather than the Mueller probe, which would prove the most politically distracting to Trump, as he'll be consumed with congressional investigations and impeachment in 2019. I think we'll hear more about that in the future, but we looked like we were pretty spot on last year. Yeah, the fourth prediction was that the government, the governments would take their revenge on technology companies, and particularly the European Commission would go after Facebook uh, and that we would realize that we will uh, never see driverless cars uh, due to regulation and liability and public opinion issues. And so far, both of those things seem to have been right, particularly the driverless cars seem to have had a very bad year. And there's a general sense that they are being pushed ever, ever forward into the distant future. So do you think that we had something to do with the fall of Elon Musk with our podcast last year? Uh, I think that this is where it started. I think a lot of other things had to go right, but clearly it began here. Okay. Well, the next prediction was uh, that the House of Saud would experience serious domestic problems, which uh, I think is pretty spot on. Um, 
But we uh, we said it that would come from a the population, b the royal family, and c the clerical establishment, and then that there would be protests that would make MBS even more adventurous on the foreign policy scene, which isn't quite right. So um, I still think maybe half a mark because you you did the grading for that one. It's maybe a bit me. Maybe we should have got like three quarters of a mark for that. <laughs> okay, we can discuss that. Uh, the sixth prediction was that. China will be the new Russia in European domestic politics, by which we meant that the big stories about external interference in European politics and European domestic affairs in 2018 would be about China rather than about Russia. I think that this one was mostly right uh, in the end. There have been it was, there was a huge wave of stories. Uh, the Russia stories didn't go away, but then but the stories of Chinese interference really picked up steam and became a big story in 2018. That is definitely true, but there was a bit of insider trading as well because we we released a big report about Chinese interference, which spawned some of those stories. Look, I think if we bring a, if we bring about the future that we predict, that's even more of an accomplishment so than just predicting it. Maybe we should it. get two marks for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the seventh one was that the U.S.-China relationship would deteriorate further and become a trade war. Have ever were truer words been spoken? So another tick. Yeah. Uh, the eighth prediction was that the, the battle between nationalists and cosmopolitans in, in European politics would move to the European, elec- European level after the Italian election, with Macron championing the liberal side and Kurtz championing the nationalist side. This one seems to be uh, largely right, but uh, it's not really clear that Kurtz and Macron are the champions. But it is clear that um, that the national, the nationalist versus liberal divide is really going to become a key divide in the European elections that are coming in May. So we gave ourselves a half a point on that one. Yeah, I think you're being a really tough uh, uh, grader there because uh, you know it was Sebastian Kurz which who um, killed the uh, idea of EU unity behind the the migration, the global migration pact, and he was kind of teaming up with, in this coalition of the willing with um, Salvini and Orbán. So. I'd say we deserved at least three quarters for that one as well. But um, the ninth one uh, was that the ISIS war will end, which I think we were right. Because if not, why would Trump be withdrawing troops from Syria? Yeah, I think every terrorist analyst would disagree with us. But uh, I think the <laughs> President Trump just said that ISIS has been defeated in, in uh, Syria and there hasn't been... Uh, an ISIS-sponsored attack in Europe for, uh, since 2015. Uh, so I think, frankly, the ISIS war is basically over. But uh, there, that is a controversial assessment, to put it mildly. Uh, our tenth protection, prediction was that uh, Silvio Berlusconi would emerge from the Italian election as the kingmaker in Italian politics and would become, in fact, the ch- a champion of saving European integration in a very ironic twist. Uh, this one turns out to be, I think, uh, completely wrong. Uh, this was our, our only total miss this year. And the 11th prediction, which was the, the bonus one, was that 2018 cyber threats will come from the leak of NSA tools. Now, that may be right, but if we told you, we'd have to kill you. So um, uh, that's as much as we're going to say. Which is a fancy one. way of saying we don't know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, all told, we got seven and a half out of 10, which we think is amazing. 
but uh, Mark wants it to be eight and a half. Yeah, I think I think maybe eight out of ten. So we at least match last year's one. I think those extra quarter points that I, I gave us. But anyway, you can write to us. Uh, I'm at mark.leonard at ecfr.eu if you think that um, we've undergraded ourselves or if you think that we did overgrade ourselves. Please let us know. But if you work for ECFR, please don't write to us. We already know what you think, and we're not going to take it into account. So that was the year that was. Uh, but I think what everyone's been waiting for uh, is our predictions about what's going to happen in the year to come. So shall I start us off on 2019, Jeremy? Sure, go ahead. So the first prediction, we started talking about this uh, yesterday, actually, and um we were so right that almost as soon as we uh, had, had had our conversation, half of the prediction happened. Um, so we'll look like we're behind the curve here, but I, but I should tell you that we were, we were actually a day ahead of the curve. And our prediction here is that Trump takes control of US policy, foreign policy, that is. Um, for uh, much of the period since Donald Trump was elected president, the conventional wisdom in many places was that the adults in the room would stop Donald Trump from uh, doing the things that he said he was going to do. And um, when one spoke to uh, friends who were working for the Trump administration, they'd always tell us not to read his tweets, not to look at what he was saying, because the adults in the House would um, uh, would uh, would stop him from uh, from doing what he wanted to do and from following his worst instincts. And over the last period of time, the adults have gradually been leaving. And now we've heard that the departure of the final adult in the room, Jim Mattis, the Secretary of Defense, is is imminent. And we've also seen with Donald Trump's decision to withdraw from Syria what a, a truly Trumpian foreign policy looks like. And I think we'll see much more of that in lots of other theaters as the year goes ahead. Our second prediction is that the new Democratic House of Representatives will impeach Donald Trump, but but that he will not be removed from office, and nor does the impeachment act appreciably hurt his political prospects. In fact, could conceivably help his political prospects. What's interesting about this is that uh, the Democratic congressional leadership knows that impeaching Donald Trump is not a particularly good idea and that it won't help them, particularly on the national level in 2020. But a lot of the new and more wild members of the Democratic caucus were elected uh, by a base which is deeply interested in uh, in impeaching uh, Donald Trump. And I think they will have no choice but to deliver for that base and create the spectacle either sometime in 2018 or early in either sometime in 2019 or early in 2020 uh, and impeach the president. Uh, but I think it'll be interesting to see how that affects the presidential race. It's not clear that it will affect it either way. So our third predictions on North Korea. Last year, we thought that North Korea was not going to erupt into the war, which many people were predicting. Um, this year, we're going to make the, the opposite claim. We think that the North Korean denuclearization process is going to break down and um, the UK, sorry, the UK, the US and North Korea are going to return to the fire and fury days of 2017 uh, as we descend into mutual recriminations and um, Trump finds his rhetoric about Rocket Man again. Our uh, fourth prediction is that China will seek to join the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership successor, which is being set up by 
uh, Japan and a bunch of other um, Pacific states. If you recall, the Trump administration pulled out of the TPP uh, in one of their very first acts in office, but somewhat surprisingly, and uh, I guess we failed to capture in a prediction, a bunch of uh, the other member states of the prospective TPP moved forward anyway and have come a long way in forming a, a new pact which has neither the United States nor China in it. We think that in 2019, China will, as an effort both to demonstrate that it's more supportive of global order and global trading rules than the U.S., and also as an opportunity to shape the new TPP to its interests, will seek to join uh, TPP. I think it, will, it won't be easy. Japan won't be uh, terribly interested in that. But I think it will have a lot of capacity to strike a deal with the, the new TPP members. So the fifth prediction is about Ukraine. Um, the conflict in Ukraine, which started in 2013, has been sort of um, bubbling away at a very low level, not quite frozen, but not exactly boiling either. And um, towards the end of 2018, it started uh, re-igniting uh, in the sea as of, of Azov, as uh, Russia um, tried to uh, cut off the east of Ukraine from uh, a lot of the trade which is doing with the with the rest of the world by um, stopping ships from from coming through uh, a bridge and and the Ukrainians sent naval vessels in to try and keep the the shipping routes open which were then uh, taken by the Russians and the diplomatic crisis which erupted with with that uh, event has not yet been resolved and. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that the politics around it could both be useful in Russia as Putin struggles with economic stagnation and with uh, a rise in his own unpopularity, but also in Ukraine because President Poroshenko is uh, facing stiff composition, competition from Yulia Tymoshenko in the presidential elections, which are going to take place later in the year. And the chance to be a kind of strong patriotic leader uh, might help his electoral prospects as well. So this is something which could actually end up being in the interest of, of both political elites. And the fact that the West has been so timid in its response to the initial crisis on the, on the Azov Sea and is refusing to send a monitoring mission um, I think makes it more likely that Putin will uh, will go back to the scene of the crime. Our sixth prediction is that uh, a global downturn. Well, I would I should say that most of the major financial international financial institutions are projecting global downturns for 2019. Uh, our prediction is that uh, this downturn will trigger a financial crisis in Turkey as the sort of canary in the coal mine. The, the, the Turkish ec economy, the Turkish financial system is actually quite vulnerable to, um, to a global downturn and that this will trigger a financial crisis in Turkey, which in turn will force uh, the Turkish government and President Erdogan particularly to do something that they vowed not to do, which is to go to the IMF for help. And that will have big implications in Turkish domestic politics. So our seventh prediction is in the Middle East, um, Saudi Arabia, which we predicted was going to have all sorts of problems domestically um, last year, uh, is going to be driven to eat humble pie and reconcile 
itself with the United States and with Europe through acts of contrition over the Khashoggi killing, the killing of the, the journalist Jamal Khashoggi, um, as well as de-escalating uh, the war in Yemen, in Yemen and maybe even releasing a few um, human rights activists. Because um, as the US withdraws from Syria, Saudi Arabia is going to feel increasingly isolated and is confronting a, a real freezing of the political atmosphere, both in, in the US Congress and in many European capitals as a result of uh, people being so shocked at, at, at the Jamal Khashoggi case. It seems that um, killing one journalist from the Washington Post is far more damaging for your international reputation than thousands of, uh, of innocent civilians in Yemen. Now, that's a good, if tragic, rule of thumb, I guess. Um, our eighth prediction is that the the World Trade Organization will enter into, a, an, an, in essence, a de facto collapse after the U.S. refuses to reappoint uh, any, well, it's already refusing to reappoint any judges to the appeals court, but next year... Uh, the retirements will mean that that board, that that dispute resolution board will go down beneath the quorum necessary to make any decisions. So in essence, the dispute rep- resolution mechanism of the WTO will cease to function and therefore the WTO itself will cease to function even if uh, there is no ceremony of closing the doors. And our ninth prediction is a populist double movement. What do we mean by that? What we mean is that the countries which have been the emblems of populism over the last couple of years, particularly Poland and Hungary, are going to see their citizens becoming increasingly tired of the incumbent regimes there. In Poland, we're going to see um, local elections um, and presidential elections where we could see the opposition to the ruling Law and Justice Party uh, grow and uh, chinks of light appearing on the on the political scene. And in Hungary, uh, a continuation of the protests which um, have erupted uh, against some of the, politi- the domestic political missteps which um, uh, Viktor Orban, the, the Prime Minister, have, uh, has, um, has, has conducted. But at the same time as that happens, we will see a surge in populism in many of the countries which were most hostile to uh, to populism in Western Europe. Um, and there is a real danger that we will see the emergence of what we call a self-hating European Parliament in the European elections, where the anti-integration populists win as many as a third of the seats and are therefore able to block all sorts of things from the uh, process for appointing new commissioners to uh, particular laws and the EU budget and uh, also as well as having a good chance to try and block lots of any treaties which the EU signs with third countries. Our 10th prediction is a continuation of our prediction about government's revenge on technology companies from uh, from this year. We predict that Several EU countries will follow France's lead in imposing a, a digital tax on American and Chinese tech companies so that they're both unable to move their process away and so that they are uh, more subject to uh, local regulation. Um, and that this, this, this process emerging from the national level will force uh, the European Commission and, and to an extent Germany, which have been reluctant to uh, produce such a di- digital tax, it will force them to 
consider such a tax on the on a European level and institute a, an EU digital tax, which certainly won't be done by the end of the year, but we predict that there will be some pressure for it by the end of the year. And our bonus 11th prediction is maybe the one which I think we could come to regret the most, but it's the idea that Brexit will neither succeed, or succeed nor fail. Um, we think it's unlikely that there will be a general election, um, we think that um, it's uh, unlikely that there'll be a second referendum and that the most likely uh, situation is that a, a slightly rejigged or, or tweaked version of Theresa May's deal passes on the second vote, which will mean that the UK officially leaves the European Union on the 29th of March 2019. But negotiations will then uh, carry on and could go on for, for many more years about the final state. Um, politics will remain totally divided in the European Union and um, the voters are going to get more and more sick of these permanent discussions about Brexit, which could carry on for another decade or so. I hope I'm wrong um, and that there will be another referendum and um, that uh, the EU... Uh, will welcome Britain back with open arms uh, because the voters decide to to uh, reject Theresa May's deal and to re-embrace the, the European Union. Um, but there is also a danger that even if there is another referendum, our, pred our prediction is right that Brexit neither succeeds or fails because it's not necessarily going to have a clear answer or, or the answer that I hope it would have. Well, it's important not to uh, not to predict what you want, I think, because that way you're rarely disappointed. Uh, but also, I think it's more analytically sound because uh, if you make uh, if you make hope your lodestar, you uh, I think you miss some of the tougher analytical facts that are out there. Uh, having said that, you know, uh, predicting Brexit is a fool's business. So um, that's why we made that one the bonus, because we'll almost certainly be wrong. Well, if you think we are wrong, uh, you don't have to wait till events in the real world prove that to be the case. So do write to me at mark.leonard at ecfr.eu with your own predictions, with your marks on ours of uh, 2018 and those for 2019. If you've uh, enjoyed listening to the podcast uh, please do let other people know about it by tweeting about it writing about it on your facebook page or ours and above all by heading to the ratings and review pages on itunes or whatever platform you're using to listen to us on at the moment and giving us a great review but for now from jeremy shapiro in london myself in vienna we wish you a very very happy christmas a merry new year or whatever other festivals that you're supporting um or celebrating wherever you're you're living and we'll come back to you in 2019 the producer of ecfr's podcast is jonathan hakenbosch and our editor is katarina botella